This episode of Outlander Cast is brought to you by MinuteWithMary.com. Even though we may not be able to see that many people out in public, we of course are able to see our friends and family near and far over Zoom or Google Hangouts or FaceTime. And if you're anything like me, sometimes putting on a real shirt and a little bit of makeup, maybe brushing my hair, makes me feel like a million bucks, especially nowadays. So MinuteWithMary.com has got you covered, whether it's cosmetics or skincare. And I am still rocking and rolling. Business is still rolling, even though we've got everything going on the world. And because I want you to feel fabulous, I am giving you 15% off my best-selling mascara. It's my 40 Epic Mascara. You go to MinuteWithMary.com slash discount. And for any of you missing out on your manis, go to MannyWithMary.com. Check out all the available sets there. Shoot us an email at OutlanderCast at gmail.com because I'm also going to hook you up with there. I I just want you to feel fabulous. Wherever you are, however you're dealing with things, let's feel fabulous. MinuteWithMary.com. Come today, tonight, Rosamac. Promise me you'll look after Claire and the rich. Nonsense. We don't have to worry about any of this because you're going to live. It's a dangerous path to go down. Vengeance. Jacasta bequeathed River Run to your son. Bonnet has waged the war on us. We're defending our family, our beliefs, those that come after us. We, Jamie, have reason to believe Monadol tried to claim your son as his own. He'll have witnesses from the tavern. Bree was willing to lay with him for suffering. But whoever shall offend those little ones who believe in me, Better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Verse 6. On his crimes are unforgivable. Better we rid this earth of him, that he may never harm another being. There's a fine line between a monster and a hero. You're here because of your love for Bree. You want to be alive if Clay and I had not changed things. Even though I blamed you for hesitating to come back, I'm glad you're here. Have that faith the Lord has applied. If you want me to face Bonnet, you're going to have to teach me to fight. Roger, Mac. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Sing me a song of a last song. Sing that last Welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name's Blake. 
And I freaking hate snakes. Snakes suck. I can't tell if I hate snakes more than spiders. I think you hate spiders more. Oh, man. Right? Freaking. And at least snakes' fangs are useful. That's snakes awesome. Snakes suck. Right? <laughs> Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk? <laughs> I hate snakes. All kinds. Of, even garden snakes. They it suck, too. It is something that like you got to be afraid of, especially if you are not ridge savvy like Blake and myself. You don't know what snakes are going to be ven- venomous. You yeah. don't know what's hiding back there. We've got all these. We've got all this ivy in our backyard. I don't know about you guys, but now that we're home all the time, um, Blake and I are suddenly <laughs> interested in doing some yard work. We've never done yard work before. No, no. We don't know what we're doing. Um, we're probably going to need to get some help. Thank you, Google. But there's all this ivy in the back um, that probably someone planted. It probably looked good at one point. But we're afraid there's snakes in there. Yeah, no. The snakes, spiders, mm-hmm. rabbits, squirrels. And after seeing this episode, you know what we're gonna do? Hire somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was I was hoping nope. to, I was hoping to save money. And I was like, nope. Nope, not worth it. Not, not worth after it. seeing what happened to James Fraser. No. I mean, no. look at him. Mary ain't gonna suck the venom out, I'll tell you that. No. <laughs> no. I will take the Jamie Fraser. Just let me be. <laughs> just 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 let me die mm-hmm. right here in the backyard. No offense. No offense. But if Jamie was like, please don't cut off my leg. I should just die. I would be like, I love you so much. And yet I hate blood so much more. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we, of course, are here to talk about episode 509. Um, such a thrilling, exciting, jam-packed episode. And for those of you who don't know us, uh, my name is Mary. My husband, Blake. Uh, we love to podcast about all sorts of shows. I've read the books. Blake has not. So he, of course, takes the show watcher approach to all of this, as do many people who are joining us live. And uh, in those comments, you know, you want to make sure you share things spoiler free. And that's what this episode is. Whenever I know something that might be in the future, I oftentimes drop a little interesting since I can't really say what I want to say. But for those of you who may have a little more time on your hands, I do want to invite you to head on over to maryandblake.com. I know several of you are watching us at Mary and Blake Media on YouTube. If you haven't already subscribed there, please do so. We go live there as well. Um, But maryandblake.com is where all of our podcasts and our blogs are. And if you are looking for any other shows to binge, in addition to Outlander, during your time at home or just to kind of get your mind off of things, we might have some shows there that we could recommend. So check that on out maryandblake.com and for now we are going to jump on into the show (sighs) here we are episode 509 509 you know, I'm not going to lie, not a bad episode you want to know something? what's that? this is frequently a part that a lot of people hate in the books Really? In the book, yeah. Well, what about the hated in the book? I'll let them tell you, okay? Okay, fair enough. I- <laughs> fair enough. No, no, I get it. I got it. I got it. It's so many things in Outlander people love or hate, and then you're going to find another bunch of people who love or hate a completely different thing. Yes. But I was interested to see how this was all going to play out. Um, you know, book five is is a big book. There's a lot of space in this big old book. Yeah. Um, so it was really exciting and interesting to see how they were going to portray all of the things that happened in this episode. Thank goodness Ian came back last time, right? <laughs> I know. He needed because, his help. Yeah, because if, if he didn't, I mean, well, how would you even put him into this episode? Listen, you wouldn't have had Rolo, so you would have been out of luck. I just... <laughs> 
SOL. No one would have heard poor Roger banging a stick. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. Of course, you want to delve into the mechanics of what made this all possible. Tell me who was important about this episode that we didn't see on screen. So the episode title was famous. I'm sorry, not famous last words. Monsters and Heroes. That's the episode title. My document is a little bit wrong. That is my fault, ladies and gents. I apologize. Monsters and Heroes, ladies and gents, uh, written by Shana Fuel, who has written three total episodes of Outlander thus far, including Blood of My Blood, If Not for Hope, and Monsters and Heroes. The director was Andy Griffin. Now, Andy Griffin is is not widely known. This is actually her first credit as an Outlander director. Uh, she, you know, not a whole ton of, I mean, there's, there's some television here, but not like a, a lot of television that, you know, like she's done lately, uh, a, a TV series called together. Uh, she did uh, a TV series called women on the verge, uh, wild bill, uh, group. And the latest one that you may know is Avenue five. Uh, that's a relatively new show that has come out recently. Uh, actually quite a bit of people quite like that show. Uh, so, uh, I, I was actually in on the the job that she did in in this episode. I quite liked her. I thought she had a good eye for what she was trying to accomplish. Marvin, what is your kilt rating? My kilt rating's five. a five. You know, I gotta say, we got our friends actually chiming in online, and they all love this part of the book. So I am so excited. <laughs> I am so excited. You know, it's friends who um who I got to know before Outlander was on television, who I think just kind of struggled with the size of this book. Sure. And I just remember them being like, ah, oh, and then this snake. And I, listen, anytime that I buffalo. can have, <laughs> I love, 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 love. All right. So I gave this episode a five. I give this episode a straight up five. Yep. Um, does it, does it get a five plus? Does it get a five plus? I mean, oh, it had sex. It did have sex. Well, it had sexy time. It didn't have sex. Oh my God. But the sexy time was just so stinking good. It was pretty good. Um, I mean, I'm giving it. Mm, mm, I want it. I'm giving it. I'm giving the five plus. I'm giving the five plus. You makes me That a girl. Go get it. Giving it the five plus. Uh, what in particular? What makes the five plus for you? Just just in general. Everybody, I love. Is here. <laughs> okay. Yep. And they're having all these little moments. You know, you and I finished the episode and honestly, the situation with, with Jamie and contemplating death and dealing just Jamie's interactions with Roger and Claire alone could have filled the episode and could have filled, filled our hearts and our filled our plates. And we would have left this episode saying like, dang Outlanda, you dummy. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But you sprinkled in the sprinkles of Fergus and you sprinkled in the sprinkles of Marsley and you sprinkled in the sprinkles of Ian and my goodness gracious, this turned into <laughs> like a delicious ice cream cone to like a hot fudge banana split Sunday of love. Mm-hmm. And I just love all these people. I love Brie. I love just the family on the ridge. I talk about it all the time. Like Absolutely. just keep me on the ridge. I miss Scotland. We all miss Scotland, but I love when the family unit is together. Mm-hmm. And this episode is all about people caring for one another. Um, and I'll get into that, but yes, yeah, yeah. five plus. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm giving it a four, eight, five. I really enjoyed this episode. Not as much as the previous two, but I, I really enjoyed it specifically because of the previous two episodes. The previous two episodes gave us something to actually sink our teeth into. And then 
fulfill that. But sorry, pardon the pun. Sink our teeth into. Um, no, it actually fulfilled the the the, uh, the foundations upon which this episode was actually built. And because of that, it took advantage of everything that happened before. And really, it has everything that Outlander needs to succeed. You know, Outlander is at its best when it can succeed and do everything that it's really capable of doing. It has ridge life, the thing that you love, Mary. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has some sexy time. Mm -hmm. It has some relationship and some relational drama between Mm -hmm. the characters and how those things are developed uh, and moved forward. Uh, Not only that, there's some some time travel aspects that are coming into play here. Just Uh, sprinkled in, just to remind you. Just enough. It's just a reminder. I don't need it all in my face. I just need a reminder. Yes. Every once in a while. And uh, there's some science that's mm-hmm. involved here, uh, in engineering in particular. Bree shines in a beautiful way. Absolutely. And then there's some medical drama here, too, yep. with Claire and, and, and the, the consequences that happen because of the choices that she's made. This episode pretty much has everything that Outlander needs to succeed. So because mm-hmm. of that, I'm giving it a 4-8. Marvin, what do you got for your GBG? You're okay. good, bad, and you're great. Okay, so my good was the acting in this episode. I felt like every single person, even Jimmy, brought it. Like they had me completely believing all of the scenarios they were going in, all the relationships that they were doing. Um, of course, Rick Rankin as Roger is still talking with this really hoarse voice yes. and is struggling when he is trying to yell. And you can really feel it. Um, of course, Sam Hewen as Jamie did a flipping phenomenal job. He always does a great dying, right? Yep. Like he he dies really well, really <laughs> We've really seen well. It a couple of times. Katrina Balf, um, in her agony, uh, the multifaceted agony. As I said, Sophie Skelton. I I just loved everybody. I loved all of the acting in this episode. Like I was blown away by them all. Um, my bad is a twofold, and even though this is a five plus, I need to say this to get it off my chest. Sure. What do you got? On the rewatches and even the first watch, I can't handle Roger sucking out the blood. I just can't watch it. Could any of you not watch it as well? Like, I just told Blake, I was like, I just can't. I know I can't do this. And of course, he's spitting and Blake's like, yep, just don't. Just don't watch it, Mary. You're okay. Um, so just the thought of that. And it's nothing It's nothing bad about the plot. It's nothing bad about the people. I just don't like blood. Sure. And the thought of drinking blood completely grosses me out. The the one part where I went, ugh, was the CGI'd buffalo, you know, buffalo Wait, knocking. Wait, what'd you do? Ugh. Okay, good. The one, that was literally the one part that took me out. And yeah. you know, they did their darndest best, you know, getting the real buffalo yeah, yeah. And, and, and doing the best we could with the CGI. But Brie, like, flying in the air because of this buffalo um that was the one moment where i was taken away and i went oh yeah this is a show because it wasn't it wasn't up to cgi par that mm-hmm. i've seen in so many other aspects and i had to sit there and say mary they had a cgi buffalo hit over a woman like what are you thinking it's gonna look like perfect come on girl but that was like the one thing that took me out um but i am forgiving as i said they, they did a great job with that and then my great um was as i was saying before all the several little moments with the people that i love the family at the ridge has blossomed and they're truly all looking out for each other e- even ian who just showed up yesterday it feels like (laughs) because it was last Sunday to us Um, you know I just I'm loving this family unit and there are things about being on the ridge 
um, that I love that are little moments that are often interwoven with characters that we're not that close with in mm-hmm. the show. But I still love that you get to feel this family unit in this big house on these adventures, just as simple as getting meat and how they have to do this all together. So I'm just loving this family. And it's something that we started to really see last season. And I'm loving seeing it blossom. We mm-hmm. care about Brie and Roger trying to have sex uh, while Jamie is, you know, cussing. We, we care <laughs> about them now because they are part of this family that we love. We love seeing Ian and Fergus reunited because they are these brothers who, you know, are sharing this relationship. So I just love that the family's back. Everybody's in this together. Granted, Jamie's kind of dying, but he's okay. <laughs> We're living. We are. So that's my that's my GBG. <laughs> All right. Uh, my good uh, is absolutely uh, Roger and, and Jamie. Uh, everything that happens between Roger and Jamie here is excellent and not only is it excellent it is absolutely vital it is vital for this season to succeed um you know i think a lot of people are so far have attributed this season to the relationship between jamie and myrta or even jamie and claire no i say the success of this season rests on roger and jamie abso-freaking-lutely this is the one that needs to succeed because if this does not succeed you cannot buy the final reason to stay with the television sh- with with the television season you can't you can't buy it the, the emotional crux of the whole thing so far has been even from the very beginning of Jamie calling Roger out saying hey you're going to do this and he like hesitates and then he tells him he can't be a captain because he didn't teach him and and and, and then Roger getting hey like it, the foundation is Roger and Jamie, and it's an absolute smart choice, not only to make the season foundation uh, that, but it, but also this episode and really sticking with it uh, because it gives the reason it gives the relationship a reason to exist mm-hmm. this this season this episode specifically yeah uh, it gives it gives everything a reason to exist and Jamie is proven incorrect and he sees it himself not just because of what uh everybody else is telling him but because he realizes oh yeah i I may and the reason why i played a really long clip at the the beginning Mm -hmm. was because you could feel and you could hear and you can sense the transition right then and there where it was even though i blamed you i'm i'm really happy that you're here and you're gonna have to take care of things mm-hmm. while I'm not able to. And not only that, Jamie realizes Roger is really from another time and he is in fact doing his best and he is in fact there for Brianna because he loves her and he needs Roger to, to not only get him alive and bring him home alive, but also to take care of his family should he die just excellent stuff and then only that not only that roger recognizes i need jamie if you're gonna expect me to take care of this stuff you're gonna need to teach me how to fight oh man excellent (laughs) stuff okay the bad um the cgi with the buffalo uh and not necessarily when the buffalo shows up um at the ridge but when no because that was a real buffalo no i know i know so but Later on, when the the grassy area time, those yeah, no, real that's buffalo. all real. I know, but when they he finally starts to get close to uh, the ladies, the part that actually had to be CGI for yes. safety of animal and people. Oh, of course, yes. yeah. The CGI was really bad. Um, As and, I said, they tried their a, darndest. They did try their they did try their best, and I mean, and like 
But did we not learn anything from Star Wars Episode Two? <laughs> oh, um, you know, with Anakin riding on the little yeah, monster. Yeah, that's like my least favorite episode. I know. of and, Star Wars. Okay, and, and like you know, did we not learn anything from Game of Thrones with Daenerys trying to climb on top of Drogon? Like, but this is the thing, Blake. They have been trying to learn, and I think honestly, this was their best shot. You know what I mean? Like, probably sure. ten years from now, CGI will be just as Ab- good as absolutely. real. Absolutely, um, absolutely. We're but, just CGI snobs at this point a- because absolutely. we watch so much sci-fi. Yep, absolutely. And it's just when the when the buffalo hits Bree and she goes flying up and then hits the ground and all of a sudden she just like gets right back up again. Like if a, buff- if a buffalo hit you, you're body would be broken she, no she was on adrenaline yeah maybe oh my gosh seriously no if my baby if there was a buffalo near my baby oh i'd be superwoman um super freaking woman and uh, Speaking i would of superwoman look at marcely third baby pregnant man can i just give her props I, I, right. still running errands <laughs> still doing all the things what? No, nothing, nothing. I just, I just need to. She needs to be thrown in a grate. People are saying, why does it always take Blake to get twice as long? Marsha Cronin says, why does it take Blake to get twice as long to get his GBGs out? I don't know. He just—that's what happens. That's what happens. This is what Blake lives for. I know. I, I do live for this. Uh, a supplementary bad. Um, Wait, no. I, I, I can have a supplementary bad. Fine, it doesn't count. But sure. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that handies could bring people back to life. <laughs> I'm just throwing Why is that out. It's a there. bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, wow. Okay, that was that's a choice. Was it like? Did you know that? Is that like what you felt like was going on? Absolutely. Okay. Abs- that's what I felt like what was happening. I'm watching. I'm like, is that really happening? Because, because if if how you you know like wow, that's a choice. Okay. Anyway, uh, but the great the great is an unfair great. But it needs to be migrate because it needs to be. Uh, Fergus, Margus's kid, the name is Felicity. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Here I was thinking that we named Felicity after Felicity, the television show with Carrie Russell. No, I mean, really, yeah, I we, we love the name Felicity because it means happiness. But yes, it just true. so happens to be also the name of our daughter. Blake literally was like, oh, and I said, yay. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, Congrats. Felicity, get the hell out of here!" <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that you know, obviously that's our daughter's name, and that she's the Outlander baby. Um, Clearly, so, was born yeah, on the uh, finale of season correct. one. That's correct. Um, so it it's it's pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. So that's my great Felicity being the great. Okay, Marvin, what what stood out to you? most in this episode where every freaking little thing i told blake before we started this episode actually in my mind i was singing i was like we've got nothing to do we should probably just podcast about this episode like three times this week Mm because there's so much to unfold i mean as i said the jamie rogers slash jamie claire stuff could have been an entire episode could be all that we could talk about in this episode Mm -hmm. but there's so much so even though this isn't typically how you and i work yep We don't usually go conversationally about how things rolled in the episode itself. We kind of pick and choose things. I need to, so I don't forget a nugget of sweetness that I loved and savored until the next nugget of sweetness happens like two minutes later. And I was throughout this entire episode, I was going, this is my G. This is my G. This is my good. This is my great. This is my good. I love everything. Yeah. Except the blood. (laughs) So much blood. (laughs) Okay, so is that okay if we kind of like rock and roll um, episodically, like what happened in the show? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm happy to go along with you. I mean, mean, let's just first, I I first have to start off then with uh, with Marcelie and Claire. (sighs) 
That's what I mean. Like you and I right away went, aww. Yeah, I, immediately I was like, that's my good. <laughs> that her t- calling Claire her ma and like, oh, you know, not Saying just I'm as my so physician. I'm so excited to have this baby. Yeah. So you can be there as my mom. And you think about that and you think about where that's coming from. Like Masali, her mother was, was crazy girl leg hair. And, and the, the, the stuff that happened with Claire and leg hair and all the stuff that went along with that and, and how Marsley first treated Claire when she first met her and all the stuff that happened with Jane, like to go from that to, I'm glad that you're here as my ma, like, man, excellent, mm-hmm. excellent stuff. I, like I'm, I'm I'm in on that. I that mean, was really good. And that's it. And I'm so glad we were able to build on this relationship just sprinkled in throughout this season. Um, but Marcelie, as I said, props to her because if I was pregnant with a third, I don't know if I'd be rocking and rolling and going for mushrooms and hike. I mean, no. who knows? Who knows? Um, so we, of course, got that going on. And then we cut to Roger and Bree naked in bed. Now I'm going to tell you guys a little something because what ifs, right? We're all stuck at home and let's just be real. How many of you are having a dram? Clink it for me. Even if you're listening by yourself tomorrow, clink, okay? <laughs> let's chat. My children, ever since the pandemic really has hit, have been a little off with their sleeping habits. Just life is crazy. They're four and seven. And generally each night a child ends up in our room sleeping on a cot, pretty much the same layout as Roger and Bree's room, as you got to see. Or they might even climb in bed with Blake and I. We don't know. Because of this, I don't sleep naked. Okay? Blake doesn't sleep naked. Because we know a little kid's going to be in our room the whole time. And I'm sitting there watching Bree and Roger... And I'm like, wait, and this is, of course, this is how houses were. You know what I mean? This is how people were. And I was just like, dang, look at them. And I loved that Jemmy repeated the foul word because there's Brie making all sorts of little, you know, would you like me to blow on it? Oh, yeah. Like just throwing it in there. Who cares that your first, you know, who cares that your baby is like right there on the floor? Like I'm just going to be all sorts of sexy with my husband (laughs) because I can. Um, And, you know, just such a sweet moment as a married couple. Right. Yes. Talking about the father and in comes Jamie knocking on the door. And what I loved is Jamie himself has been caught by other people knocking on the door saying, come on, wake up. What are you doing? You think about Murtaugh walking in on him and Claire. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just feel like Jamie should know better. Like if it's take a couple a little while to answer the door, if they don't jump up and answer the door for a moment, Jamie, can you just wait one moment? (laughs) And when the door does open and it's obvious that Roger's putting on his pants and there's Bree just wrapped up in a towel. Bree... Brazen Brie, let me tell you, if my dad came over knocking on the door and Blake and I were getting a little frisky and I answered the door in a blanket, I would not be as just proud. Brie's just stand there just like, yeah, I know I'm a great shot, but I really think you should hang out with Roger. And Jamie's standing there as well, you know, realizing this is a married couple. This is what they do. Heck, this is what I do all the time. Mm-hmm. But there's Brie just chilling in a blanket. It was great. The whole right? that whole opening scene with with Roger and Bree, again, just gorgeous stuff. Gorge, gorgeous written, like really good because you finally get a feel for their relationship. Mm-hmm. You, you have an intimate moment between the two, which with humor, with, yeah, with, with humor, yeah. Like, and, and by intimate, I don't mean like ooh, sexy time. I mean like it's intimate. Yes. Like these two. As a matter of fact, the way that they were talking, all I could think of was bad morning breath. <laughs> Why? 
because of Roger's voice? No, because like they, she just woke up and he oh, yeah. just woke up and they're like right in each other's face. And all I could think of was that scene in America's Sweethearts. Remember that movie, the one with Julia Roberts and John Cusack and Catherine Zeta-Jones? No. John I don't Cus- know if I ever watched it. Really? Oh, man. Well, there's this great scene in America's Sweethearts where Julia Roberts, you know, she um, she's the assistant to Catherine Zeta-Jones who's dating John Cusack. And Julie Roberts and John Cusack fall in love. Okay, can you get to the point? Well, the whole point is... It's a movie is, I haven't seen, so I don't really Julie, don't know Julie, what's going on. Julia Roberts and John Cusack are in bed, and they wake up okay, next to each other yep. after you know ha- having some rumpy pumpy. Okay, yeah. And they, he starts talking to her, and she takes the sheet, and she just covers his mouth so that the bad breath won't... Oh. And, then he, and then she does it to herself, and they talk to each other through the sheet. <laughs> it's amazing! <laughs> I think we find a second use for all these masks we've all bought off Etsy, right? Yes, yes. Just put them on and have some morning rumpy pumpy and you're good to go. No stinky mouth. Oh my God. But their dynamic. Yeah, no, really good. And it, it, again, it, a moment of intimacy between the two and it makes you actually care about why this relationship, again, why this relationship exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, not only does that help uh, R- Roger and Jamie, but it really helps Roger and Bree. The thing that was severely lacking through seasons three and four was the ability to care about why Roger and Bree exist. And in this season, we're finally getting it. And it's working to a T. Absolutely. Absolutely. And nobody even like actually had sex in this episode. And I was just feeling all of it. I mean, because let's be real. I know that there's going to be some people being like, Mary, lay off it. These people have sex so much. And I'm so happy about it. I'm so happy to see like healthy relationships that are physically connected that can joke. And it's not just about like, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's like healthy married people who are sexual and who can joke and who can have bad morning breath in our imaginations. (laughs) I just love it. So of course we go, uh, Jamie coming on in, taking, taking Roger off of, out of out of the ridge to well in the ridge technically but out of the house to go go hunting mm-hmm. and we've got all these people hunting and at one point Blake goes who are all these people I don't know they're going to die yeah all these red shirts <laughs> they're all gonna die all the freaking log carriers we call them log carriers because of loss but not everybody knows that that's okay term. That's so it's just the nobodies and I paused it and I said Blake they're not nobodies okay <laughs> you, you actually know almost everyone in this photo so do you remember who went hunting Blake it was Josiah or Keziah what one of one of the others. I, they're, they're both the same. To me. Josiah. Okay, Josiah. He can speak. He talks. Uh, there was yeah. Roger. There was um, Ian. There was Ian. Mm-hmm. Was uh, JQM there? Was he with them? Fergus. Uh, no, no. John no. Quincy Myers. No, no, he wasn't there. Okay, he wasn't there. Fergus was there. Yes. And then we had like two two log carriers who I had no idea who they but were. The Browns. Oh, sure. Remember, I pointed sure. at and I was like, "There you go. You recognize him, right?" <laughs> So you just didn't recognize the guy who had the hipster hat on. You know how all the, not the hipsters, what are those boho, the boho hat, yeah, sure. the like big, f- yes, yes. you know the girls, yeah. the girls oh, that wear yeah. the kimonos and they, all of their pictures on Instagram have a tan filter and they have the boho hat. That's what I'm saying. I'm calling it boho. Is that boho? Soho, boho. I don't, I don't know. even know. But there was one guy that, you know, main, was not familiar mm-hmm. who wore a boho hat, but everybody else you knew. Sure. <laughs> Every, everybody else I did know except for the two log carriers, which is fine. Totally fine. But it was funny. They had this they had this great shot of all of them like getting together and it was so, so cute. it was like so perfectly manicured like like there were tri levels of people. They one they were standing and some were kneeling and it was just like it was so perfectly staged that it was like 
Yep, definitely watching a TV show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we know who was the hipster hat. What? <laughs> you wouldn't know, don't worry. Okay, sure, fine, whatevs. <laughs> he was just like, they're going to die. That's all Blake could think. They're out hunting bison. He's like, he's going to die, he's going to die, he's going to die. I don't know him. And I was like, Blake, stop. Just, just be, you're okay. And of course, all those people left. Yes. And Roger is left with Jamie. Yes. Roger and, steps in what he thinks is cow poop. Yeah, nope. Precious. Nope. That, so stinky. That that was that was Chekhov's poop, if you will. <laughs> Not Chekhov's gun, Chekhov's poop. Because, you know, once once you introduce the buffalo at the beginning of the episode, they're going to have to come back by the end How of the episode. How did you feel seeing those buffalo? Um, was that expected for you? Now, mind you, we've been seeing the buffalo, the bison in the in the opening credits, so we knew that this is something that we were going to be seeing this season. Sure, but how did that feel for you? I don't know. I mean, it was. I, I didn't know buffalo roamed the the plains of uh, North Carolina, but maybe they do, and uh, that's great. I mean, that's that's a whole like like they said, a whole winter's worth of meat right there. You mm-hmm. catch, you bag one of them bad boys, that's the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, forget about it. You 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 eat like a like a king for a while once once that happens. Jamie gets bit by a snake. Yeah. Um like this is where it happens. Right here. When that happened, when that happened, I was like, All right, what are we doing? What are we doing? Is this is this like the thing of the week? Is this the the Beardsley house? Is this the the the, the is this the X Files episode of the week, the, the monster of the week that we have to deal with? And I, I was like, oh, come on, man. I don't want to go through this whole thing. And little we, did you know that this was going to be like one of your favorite episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I just don't want to go through this whole thing again. You have to deal with all these, you know, log carriers and they're going to have to help Jamie. No, and like, they didn't. No, absolutely not. And listen, I know that this episode spun its wheels a little bit uh, specifically because nothing really happens outside of uh, what happens to Jamie and the Buffalo. Uh, but that's okay. In, in fact, I would say that's better. Mm-hmm. That's better because you actually had a chance to sit down with these characters. And not only did you get a chance to sit down with them, it advanced them in meaningful and practical ways mm-hmm. in their relationships. Agreed. You know, discovering the the tension between Claire and Jamie about taking his leg or mm-hmm. not taking his leg. Uh having the pressure alleviated off of Roger and Jamie, even something as, well, this wasn't very subtle, but even something as nuanced as Ian looking up to Jamie only to have his hopes kind of dashed by him at, you know, in a, in a moment of, uh, of, of, uh, weakness on Jamie's behalf. These are all meaningful things for these characters. These are meaningful things for their relationships and how they will move going forward um so i was in on it because not much happened other than okay how do we all relate to each other yeah you know uh i my my initial bad was how hard that ian came down on jamie it was like all of a sudden he showed up and he was just mad you really upset me uncle jamie like come on man that's that's a we're little... gonna get to that okay okay sorry go that ahead. happens a yep, lot go ahead later. yep go ahead so we leave the boys with their blood and sucking and venom and cutting off a snake head. Way to go, Roger. Mm-hmm. Way to go. And we get back to Claire and Bree. And Bree's having pretty much the same existential crisis that I have every single week, right? 
what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hit that stage when you're about 35 and you're like, yeah, what am I doing? Where, where are we going here? <laughs> so Brie asks her mom, like, did you know that you always wanted to be a doctor? And it's, I feel like this is something that so many of us go through, you know, yeah. like for so many of us, you know what you want to be and that's what you are. And you get to live this life and you're like, yep, I always knew what I wanted. I followed the path and now here we are. And then you've got Brie who knew what she wanted to do, know what she's talented at. She knows how her brain is. And yet she is stuck because she can't necessarily apply her knowledge and her skills. So she thinks to modern day where she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved that conversation that she got to have with her mom and how Claire said, you know, is this about you or is it about Roger? And really, it is it about both. It's these two people who have come from the future who didn't necessarily plan long term staying in the past and really want to make sure that they make an impact on their world, that they're useful. They get to see their mom and and Jamie do extraordinary things. Right. You know, and there's Brie, who is intelligent on her own part, is a grown woman. You know, she's not a little girl, but she is still kind of living in her mom's shadow. Her mom is making the significant distant difference. Her dad is the layered. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brie's there really trying to figure out a way in the world. And her husband, God bless him, you know, is is also in the same predicament. I just loved that that heart to heart that they got to have. How did mm-hmm. you feel? Um, again, I, I, I have to go along the lines of, recognizing the fact that that Bree and Roger came from a time where I don't think they were they were even close to prepared for what was going to happen and how could they be right um and having that existential crisis that Bree is having like what 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 am I doing what is my purpose um I, I'm I'm talented in this field and a woman cannot break that that ceiling here a woman cannot do these things that I'm capable of doing. And it's not because she's incapable. It's just, that's just how it was. And mm-hmm. the same thing goes with Claire. Claire has has to tread her own path and she has to light her own path as a physician in her own way. So maybe maybe Brie, by making this, you know, this snake tooth, you know, syringe, uh, maybe that's what works for her. I don't know. But having that existential crisis is important for that character because it's not it's not the the choice that she made for going back yeah has real consequences i'm stuck and i don't know what to do and not only am i stuck i've been through hell and back and as we discover later on there there's real consequences that's coming down the road with Stephen bonnet and her her son jemmy and how that all relates to roger and another thing that comes through, through i think too with jamie and roger um, in, in light of what we're talking about here is when Jamie says, you know, like, what would you have done in your time? Like, how would you have taken care of this venom bite? And Roger mm-hmm. does the whole anti-venom thing. And it's an acceptance of Jamie uh, or, or by Jamie on, on his behalf about Roger's past and acknowledgement that Roger does like, yes, you're, you're like, I'm curious to know what would have happened. And, and it was perfectly yeah. sprinkled in. Like, right. that's the thing. And I think that's what really, in our opinion, also made this episode so great is it had all those elements that you love about Outlander, had the relationships, but it had the time travel still 
really woven in beautifully. It wasn't like a one-time thing like, oh yeah, I remember when I came through the stones. It's not that. It is referencing the fact that three of these people are from the future, mm-hmm. that they know things that they may or may not be able to apply to modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have, we have just like you said, we have Jamie talking to Roger about the anti-venom and just kind of thinking about that. Whereas then the next thing we get with them is they're bonding about quotes from the Bible. Which that doesn't have anything to do with time travel, but it's to show you that they can still bond no matter what. They still have something to fall back upon. Yes, yes. How did you feel about that? With so Jamie, of course, is deteriorating fast in the show. You know, he goes from kind of like being able to joke, but then he's really asking Roger. You know, like, do you know the last rites? Yeah. Um, and ends up talking about Stephen Bonnet. Yeah. Drops this bomb, what he thinks is going to be a bomb. And I just loved how Roger was like, yeah, no, Brino, she overheard you at her wedding. Thanks a lot. <laughs> he didn't say thanks a lot, but I said that under my breath, like way to be a buzzkill at her wedding. But, uh, you know, he he tells him not only is Bonnet alive, but we have this plan set up so that he can be killed um, or at least met so we can work towards killing him. And Roger says, I don't think so, man. I don't think I'm capable of doing that. And mm-hmm. yet again, the time travel reference. Jamie says, but your dad fought in that second world war. Like, I just love how Jamie can can remember these things, but also tries to figure this out, you know, because right. of course Claire's talked with him about these things. And he says, you know, you would have had to kill somebody then. How different it could have been. And then he drops the bomb on, on uh, Roger that Bonnet could be coming after River Run. Bonnie could be coming after Jimmy so he can get his hands on River Run. So if you want to protect Jimmy, if you want to protect your family, this is what we got to do, man. Yep. And you see it just click for Roger. Yeah, you you literally saw it on Rick Rankin's face when he was like, there was that moment when he, he kind of like does this thing where he pulls back a little bit Mm -hmm. where he's like, and then it it all sinks in. It all sinks in. And, and something that has been building this entire season and they've been a very adept at keeping Stephen Bonnet a presence throughout mm-hmm. the whole, throughout this whole uh, season. It's not like all of a sudden, okay, battle of Alamance happened. The, re- the regulators are gone. Yeah. Let's move to the next thing. Yeah. You know, it was, he's been there this entire time. We've just, he's just been lurking yes. and he's been, and I still go back to that one scene where you find the the coin on baby Jemmy you know, uh, that was such a cool way to keep that presence alive for Bonnet. And, but I, I, you know how much of a big fan I am of Bonnet and your, your boy Jimmy and the whole thing. Um, but I, I do have a question for you as it relates to Bree and how this whole thing with Bonnet is going down. Okay. Um, there are still plans being made outside of Bree's knowledge about Bonnet and Jamie is very, very determined in killing Stephen Bonnet. And it just feels like Bree has no say in any of it. It just feels like Bree just doesn't have any, any, any like, like, yep. Okay. That's what I want to happen. Or no, I don't want you to kill Stephen Bonnet. Can you please just let it go? That's how it feels to me. Do you feel the same way? It just feels like there's a bunch of guys around her making these plans without her input. And that kind of sucks for that, for Brie and for what, 
has happened to her because yeah, sure. Bonnet has done stuff to Claire. Absolutely. Jamie, Jamie acknowledges it. We all seen it. And Bonnet has clearly done stuff to Roger, but Brie is the one that really took a, the brunt here. And she doesn't have any, any, uh, any say in what's happening. What do you think about that? I think it's Jamie trying to be, not trying to be, but being the dad figure, you know, being dad. Like, I'm going to, someone hurt my child. I'm going to make sure that this is taken care of. And then, of course, you have this extra added element that could be impacting now his grandchild. Um, it's difficult to say because, of course, you don't get to see them have a conversation with Brie early on. And Jamie's really kind of kept this hidden from Brie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, or what he thinks is hidden from Brie all this time. Um, but then, of course, we do get Roger talking with Brie about it. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it's tough from the Jamie Claire perspective, the Lord John Gray, Jamie Claire, because they, they've been the ones making this whole plot. As soon as Roger knows, he's now gone and told Brie. Right. Like, think about it. He gets back and he's like, by the way, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And And he talks with her about it. So, um, and not only that, Lord John's in on it too. Like, Lord John is is helping aid this process. Yeah. Uh, At least that's what Roger says. So, I don't think that it's like, um, I don't see it as a bad thing. I think. Bree's gone through a lot. Okay. (laughs) She's gone through a lot. So, I just want, I, I'm not feeling icky about it in this episode. Uh, so we have some commenters here saying, oh, well, she had her chance. She dropped the keys or she went to go see him in the jail. And that was that was her say in all the whole matter. Yeah, I agree. That was her choice. She uh, she said, OK, I forgive you. Or yes, this is this is the choice that I make. But after that, that's her choice. Okay, he can go live his his life. That get just get out of mine. Like do what you do. You're gonna go die. You're gonna get your you're gonna get your um, your penance. Um, but ever since then, everything has been out of her control. After that, everything has been has been decisions made without her knowledge or for her. And I just feel like Bree, as the daughter of Jamie of James Fraser is capable of much more than having a bunch of guys around her say, yeah, we're going to go kill Bonnet. But we're it's not, not a bunch you. of guys. Claire's in on it too. This isn't just a bunch of guys like making these plans. Sure. It's Jamie, Claire, Lord John Gray, like all these people are, are chatting and they know what's going on. So mm-hmm. I don't think that it's like these guys just think that Brie can't handle it. I th- I'm I'm fine with this situation. Sure. So that's, sure. that's my two cents uh, on it. But uh, let's, let's, Let's um, slightly adjust here, and I want to ask you about the buildup to Bonnet and this oncoming um, bomb that Jamie drops on Roger. Well, yeah, but 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 this conflict that is obviously going to happen by season's end. Something is going to happen by season's end between between. I'm going to let you riff while I sit here and get ready to say interesting. No, 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 no. I, I what, I, what I'm getting at is whether it's this season or next season, but I, I'm pretty much going to guarantee that it is this season in some form or fashion. Um, do you feel like the buildup that they have done this entire season leading up to this thing with Bonnet has been effective? And do you feel like this is the big, this is this is going to be the big moment. Like, they, and they nailed it. Like, they they they've created enough tension. They've built enough of the relationships between between these characters. 
this is what I'm going to go for and this is how, and it's going to succeed. Do you think they're doing a good job with that? I think they're doing an excellent job right now and I'm going to be vague. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think they've done an excellent job with this season so far. Um, period. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Uh, oh, by the way, can we, can we, so, uh, you know what, this, this is something that I noticed. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that I noticed uh, when I was doing, uh, if you're not watching us live right now, if you're listening to the podcast in our studio, we have a big monitor that's right above us. And, and I get a bunch of pictures from the interwebs and put them up on the monitor in a slideshow. And as I was doing the pictures for the slideshow, I realized that the, can we just talk about the boot and pant combination that Brie is wearing. Um, oh, the like maroon situation. Oh my goodness gracious. All the cosplaying needs to go on between that outfit and someone else needs to dress up as a bison. Oh. Okay? <laughs> like when Comic Con is allowed to happen again, that's what I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That outfit. That outfit was gorgeous. Oh, I mean, man. not only is she wearing pants, awesome. That's great. I mean, that's Bree style. I know, but she's literally wearing the pants in in the um, in, on the ridge, which is a really cool subtext. She's the one wearing the pants in the whole relationship. Oh, look at you. Um, but you know, and then there is the great irony of uh, of uh, of of Lizzie saying, "Oh, today's a good day for dying." Lizzie, and it's like, oh, ominous, like the oh, the irony there that you have uh, between Jamie almost dying and Brie almost dying, Brie almost dying, and the yes. whole thing. Uh, would you have done the same thing with, uh, with like that Brie did by one hundred percent? One hundred percent. I would have been like, take quick me thinking, instead. Man. That was oh, quick thinking. anything, anything you do for your child. Yeah, you know, it was a funny, it was a funny like side quest for this episode because I really feel like like the whole Buffalo thing. What did we really learn from any of it? With from the, the bison? Yeah, from the from the bison, what, what, right, buffalo, whatever it is. Tatanka. <laughs> um, what did we really learn from it? I don't know. I mean, other than that, you know, Brie can take a hit. Um, she can. That's adrenaline, man. That is all adrenaline. Um, it kind of reminded me of a football, like football player. Yes. I see them do that all the time. Yep. Yep. And she's young. She's sprightly. She's not She's like malleable. us. Like, let's be real. I hit my knuckles on the ceiling yesterday from attempting to do an at-home workout. I've been home for a month and I finally was like, okay, uh, fine, I'll move. And I did a really excited jumping jack and like bruised my knuckles something fierce and I'm still whining about it. Bree just gets back up. But of course, so she had the adrenaline from the bison coming into her yard pretty much and then or you know her dad's dying so she can't be there like hopping along be, pulling a little pity party mm-hmm. i mean yeah she probably needs to like she probably took a couple little something or others from claire's cupboard oh yeah you know yeah all, all the advil little cbd oil rub that all over you know? <laughs> is it the stick or the or the, or, oh, the or, stick no yeah, the stick no. yeah, the, yeah claire, claire doesn't know. do anything but the stick yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. That's All where right. the muscle. That's where the pain is. The stick. <laughs> oh, oh man! Little arnica gel. Little just some little, oils. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> Who knows? Icy hot. Throw some icy. But hot yes, that I would have done that for my child. I would. I would just do that. No, not for anybody. I mean, probably for somebody. I don't even know. Are you bleeding? Yeah, I, I cut myself by what? accident. Yeah, what? I don't know what the hell I cut myself. Okay, by. well let's let's pivot because I don't even know where you're going sure. right now. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, why did we get to the bison? Why were we there? We jumped a little bit. Yeah, we did jump a little bit. I apologize. 
It's okay. What do you think about... Well, you know what? Let's just do this. Can we get to Ian? Because I know you wanted to talk about Ian. That's exactly where I was going. What did you think about Ian and Fergus and how they were talking to each other after the whole blow up with Jamie? Well, let's talk about the blow up with Jamie because you seem to have an issue with that and I'm all about that life, okay? So here's Ian who has, you know, been gone forever, came back to his family, um... Because he loves this family, he gave up his family to be with this family, to be yes. with Jamie. And here's Jamie just like, eh, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I could stay alive, but I don't want to just have a leg. You're literally talking to Ian. You're talking to Ian, whose dad doesn't have a leg. You're talking to yeah. Ian when when Fergus is pretty much his brother in life. Not like, great, Bob. No, Jamie. This isn't this isn't like the world of people who have all of their body parts on. You're yeah. talking to someone who, you know, it. Especially as your adopted son, whose Fergus only has one hand that booms when he claps. You know, yes. like boom. <laughs> it reminded me a lot. I mean, people people have these kind of conversations. Um, Oh, this is really hard. This is this is a hard thing. I don't okay. know if I could do this. I'm going to do said. it. <laughs> so I have a handicapped sister. Yep. Okay. So this is like this is sometimes hard when people have to make decisions if they're pregnant and they're finding out they're going to have a severely special needs child. Yes. You know what I mean? So um I do not put my opinions out there for people. Mm-hmm. I don't judge people about what's going on with them. But I think people don't have those conversations with me because they know I have a handicapped sister. Sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So um, it's, you know, who I love. She's she's my older sister. Like she's, uh, we're missing her a lot right now because we can't even, I'm going to get all emotional. I can't see her because of everything that's going on in the world and she's in a group home. But anyway, that's what it hit me like. So when you're sitting here being like, Ian, I feel like, I can sit here and say, yes, I have a loved one in my life whose life isn't normal, whose life is very difficult, whose life physically is completely different Mm -hmm. than everyone else they see around them, but it's still life and people still love you and there would be this void in our lives if it weren't for you. So um, I was totally down with Ian's conversation and I love that you thought it was awkward because I would have that conversation with Jamie. Uh, You absolutely would have that conversation. 100% I would have said, all of that to him. I would even thrown in the things about like him admiring Jamie and now he doesn't. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like you're a jabroni. <laughs> like whatever. I'm done. You know, I 100% I was sitting there and I was going, well done, Ian. Mm-hmm. Well freaking done. And then he goes downstairs to go try to warn Fergus because he doesn't want Fergus's feelings to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And Fergus is there. Fergus and Marsley, man, chillest people ever. Dude. Like, they're probably the best roommates. Absolutely. They get it. Yeah, they get it. They, like, restock the fridge every once in a while. They, you know, like, don't give you a lot of flack. You know, they're just understanding people. Yep. But, you know. You want to have a party? Sure. But, like, they can hold you to it when it's your side, your turn to pay the bills. Yep. But they don't do it in a mean way. Like, they just get life man like this is Fergus okay this is Fergus who grew up with a tough life doesn't have a hand like (laughs) let's get real okay he's gone through a lot of stuff and he just wants to see Jamie right and I think because of his like kinder quieter demeanor and we don't know everything that Ian's seen and Ian's gone through Ian's trying to protect Fergus and Fergus is really trying to tell him it's okay right 
Hey, Fergus is first trying to figure out why Ian doesn't want to see him. Right. Fergus is thinking, you don't want me to see him because he's going to have his leg cut off. You don't, you don't think I can handle right, that? Right, like, right. <laughs> buddy, like, look at my hand. I, I got this. I've been through we're, it. We're now. fine. And then he gets to talk about being a man of leisure. Yeah, that was great. A great callback. Uh, great callback to that. And um, I think even better is the fact that Fergus just says, "Listen, I just want to be there for him. It doesn't matter." In he he's earned that he's he's your uncle he's my he's my adoptive well he didn't say it, but he's he really he's the adoptive father yeah oh yeah um I mean no Ian says that like our uncle and our father like yeah, yeah. he acknowledges yes it's it's time that you know we we be there for him no matter what and uh, it was a it was a great uh, moment of reality. I think for Ian, where it was like, yeah, you can be mad. And I feel like this is something that would happen to you too, my darling, where you'd be like, like animal. And and then you go downstairs, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it was probably not great. Uh, but then he goes and he apologizes to Jamie later. Yes, absolutely. And really. And, and Jamie even acknowledges the fact that, Ian, you were right. You were right. That I, shook Jamie. Yeah, absolutely. As much as you didn't like Ian saying all that to Jamie. Yep. I interpret it watching this as that is what made Jamie say, I, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing that I'm going to say, sure, I'll yep. die. Like I'm be, I'm putting this little pity party. I'm going to go hide from Claire in my bed sure. so I can go die in my bed and have, you know, Claire lay down with me as this happens. No, I think that, you know, thank goodness for Ian for standing up and saying what was on his mind. Yeah. And it's all these little, again, you know, uh, we talked about the foundation of this season in in particular this episode being that relationship between Roger and Jamie but it's all these little conversations that orbit around Jamie and like the the whole snake thing as much as i initially was like well, okay well, this is dumb like this is the next you know monster of the week thing all these conversations orbit Jamie's injury and that injury has a ripple effect for mm-hmm. each one of these characters. And not only are the characters that we all know and love, but for all the rest of the log carriers on the ridge, mm-hmm. because they all got to go find all the, all the maggots. Oh my gotta... God, those maggots. Oh yeah. You know, I, you know, all I can what? think of, anytime I hear the word maggot or anytime I, I see maggots, all I think of is the lost boys <laughs> with, with Kiefer Sutherland. He's like, if they're eating the rice. Okay. He's like, maggots, Michael, you're eating maggots. And he looks down, they're all maggots instead of white rice. <laughs> you're on the next level right now. I don't know why, Referencing man. Referencing all these like 90s movies. Oh, no. The Lost Boys is straight up 80s. Baby. Oh, eight, okay. Oh, yeah. Perfect. That's, that's prime Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, <laughs> vampire Kiefer Sutherland. They're looking, having everybody looking for maggots. Drop what you're doing. Yeah. Drop your your dyeing. Drop your washing of your clothes. Drop drop your candle making because you know all those people are still making the candles with that same shot. Yep. Okay. Make it, stop whatever you're doing. The Laird needs maggots. Right. Right. And you know it was also great too. And this was a subtle thing that happened. Roger says to Bree, and when they're having the conversation, I'll be like, okay, what's going to happen here? Uh, Roger says to Bree, I'm looking for dead rabbits. And wouldn't you know, it was Josiah or Keziah, one of one of the, one of the two. Uh, <laughs> That discovers a dead rabbit. So it shows you that Roger is acclimating himself to the environment even more so now where he's getting more comfortable, where he recognizes the things that he actually has to to see. And at the same time, we have Jamie saying, everyone keeps telling me that you are a professor. It's okay to get philosophical right now. Like, Isn't that great? You know, there's this great, I mean, really great dichotomy and there's this really fine balance that the writers 
are really going towards here where Jamie is becoming more accepting. Roger's becoming more aware and more attuned to his environment and uh, playing off, again, all the conversations that orbit this relationship, how that relationship is rippling out to the rest of the world, to, to the rest of the Outlander universe. Uh, it's a real fine balance, uh, a real thin red line, because one misstep either way, where Roger all of a sudden is superhero Roger, or Jamie is all of a sudden Mr. Emotion and I love Roger, uh, and it can go up one way mm-hmm. and down the other, and it is it will be really bad real quick. And th- they're, they are towing that line really well, really well. And the same thing goes, too, I think, with towing the line with the whole thing with Claire and Jamie at the end. Like, I know we joked about the handies early on in, in, in earlier on in the podcast. I didn't joke. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, Sorry, that was my the bottom of my bottle. That's what she said. <laughs> what did you just play? I said, that's what she said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, get out of here. Get out of the stop, studio. Stop. Jeffrey Hirsch, get out of here. What are you doing? Um, the handy part could be a little much uh, on a lesser show. Hold on. Can we don't just jump into the handy? Okay. <laughs> you got to work up to the handy. Yeah, you do. How do you work up to the handy? You got to what? You got to massage a little bit. Like Jamie's dying. Yes. Jamie Fraser is dying right in front of Claire's eyes. Uh, yes. And okay. I- she's, she's trying her darndest to keep this man alive, keep her promise to him, is dealing with all this emotional... She didn't know this was coming, okay? They just they just got back from battle. They're just trying to keep people like happy and dying clothes. And it went from literally like, we're going to eat some, some bison to here's Jamie dying from right. a snake bite. Jamie Fraser is dying from a snake bite. Right, and it's hitting things, him yeah. so quickly. And all he wants... Is he suddenly feels cold and he wants her to wants to feel her touch. Right. And and actually before we even get into that, uh let's just acknowledge the fact that Jamie sees the saw and is like, oh. Yeah, no. No, I'm not doing that. So before we get into the handy Yeah, no, he grabs it. Yeah, right, yeah. Before we get into that whole thing, do you feel that Jamie is wrong in a situation? Or do you think like, okay, I could see where he's coming from? I would not want my leg cut off ever, but especially during that time. And yeah, he knows how gross Claire can get. You know, he does. He mentions that autopsy, the autopsy, like you had to, oh, because they were talking about the snake bite. Like, did you ever deal with snake venom? And she, she says, I haven't, like, you really don't usually need surgery for it, but I did do an autopsy and, you know, he's bugging out. I mean, you get to see, Jamie has been with Claire through all different types of surgeries, of procedures, even him reminding Roger that before Roger cuts his leg where the, where the wound was, he takes up the alcohol and sanitizes it. This is what I see Claire do before she cuts open somebody. Mm -hmm. He knows the autopsies so jamie knows he knows how claire's head works and when he sees that saw Mm -hmm. he knows what her plan is he knows at least what one of her plans is um and no i get it i mean oh gross i mean blood gross the the big dramatic question the big dramatic question we have here is claire would claire really go through with it like i i I yes. took that that scene where they showed her tying the knot in her apron. Yes. Like that was, okay, that's Dr. Claire now. Yes. It's not Claire, uh, Claire the wife Claire. This is Dr. Claire. And Dr. Claire is going to do what she's got to do. I think Claire would have done it. And that 
that's didn't they talk about that in the writers' yeah, room? Exactly. Like, would she have done it? Would she have not have done it? I think Claire. I think Doctor Claire would have taken over, right, and saved her patient and the love of her life. I, I think so too. And knowing, and knowing that Jamie would hate her for it, and knowing how scared he was, this is James Fraser, man. J- Jamie Fraser. I feel like ain't scared of anything at any time. And you could see him like a wounded animal in the corner grasping onto this saw being like, no, (laughs) I'm not going to let you do it. It's my choice. Like he's a wounded animal just begging for anything for life. And um, man, I, I'm of the opinion that Claire probably would have done it too. I don't think she would have done a great job though. You see her like, Trying oh, to hold yeah. the scalpel, right, and right, right. she's like, "Where is everybody? We need more people to hold him down." Freaking out, and yet knowing that she has to act fast. Um, and wait, when where was where was laying down with each other? Oh, this was before this was happening. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so then in walks Bree with her makeshift syringe. Right, MacGyvered that up, man. <laughs> Holy smokes! Did you see that coming? Yeah, absolutely. As, as you did. As, I did. Um, and at not, what point? Not when. Um, because I feel like you saw it right when Roger was holding the snake, showing yeah. Brie, being like, I don't know why I have it. Like, it clicked for you, I think, when it was supposed to click for you. Yeah, I think so, too. Okay. Um, I, because I was thinking about, I was thinking about, like, okay, Ro- that makes sense. Roger cutting the head off and bringing it to, to Claire to be like, oh, maybe if she thought, like, if she saw the, the species, maybe it would help. Yes. You know, I, that's absolutely something Mary Larson oh would have done. 100%. <laughs> Such a freaking Gryffindor. Is this useful? Such a Gryffindor. You're a wizard, Harry. Anti-venom from this. What do you need? (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it clicked for me as soon as he took the head out. And I was like, and they had already had the conversation about the, about boiling the penicillin, how it ain't going to work. And and I was like, oh, just use the tooth. That's what got the venom in there to begin with. You know, so that's how, that's how it worked for me. Um, Shoving that tooth into his leg. I thought that's the part that you were going to get Ugh. like super grossed out. I could by. handle that. Um, Not the sucking of the blood. Yeah, no, no. Where is vampire Lord John Gray when you need him? <laughs> See? Oh my goodness gracious. And then Jamie, of course, yeah, as he's recovering and we get to have this moment with him and Claire. So of course, what you need to remind yourself over and over and over again is that Jamie and Claire's love is very physical. They're... Part of their love languages, man, is is physical. Yes. Okay, so he feels cold. Of course, she's just trying to warm him up um, and see if anything else can can warm him up. Uh, yeah, she was warming. She was warming him up. All right, but it wasn't classless. The way you're no, no, talking no, no. about it no, makes it feel. No, it wasn't classless. It was just I was just surprised by it. It was just like okay, that's that's what's that's what's happening right now. Like. That wouldn't have been the first thing that I would have thought of at that point. Like, I really loved how that all went down. Like, there was remember in The Handmaid's Tale when one of the babies is uh, spoiler alert, one of the babies is dying, and uh, and they have to bring in the mom to like the baby is about to die, and they bring in the the, the handmaid, and the handmaid just holds the baby all night, and the and at the end the baby lives because yes. the baby's with the mom, and that's what that reminded me of, where it was. When all medicine fails, when all the things that Claire is good at, like it's not, it's not without reason. It's 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 a little bit ironic, but it's also 
there purposely. Claire talking about her position in life as a doctor and losing Jamie and or, or Bree and that would end her. But her her job is I'm a doctor. Um, when all else fails, it comes down to two people. Yes. Jamie and Claire. And Claire making a physical connection that defies all logic. Yep. It defies all science. It defies all medical practice. It's just two people, heart to heart, soul to soul. Yes. You, me, here, together. And then they do the handy. And I was like, okay. Like, I'm not saying it was bad. I feel like only Outlander could pull that off. And they did it beautifully. Yes. Like, that's the thing. I think that a person could glaze by the fact that Claire was warming, you know, we Jamie up. Um, but really, like, it is it is this beautiful relationship. It's something I talk about quite frequently about Outlander, that the show is mature in its sexuality. Sure. In the sense that, like, it is the physical skin-to-skin contact. This is a, f- a couple that adores each other and is not shy about their physical connection with one another. And this is something that... Um, I, I loved seeing it portrayed. I think that both actors did a phenomenal job um, yeah. in this particular scene, watching Claire lay on him and just, you know, her begging him to, to come back. And then Jamie has that gasp. Yeah. And then that's it. And I, I, I love what he was saying is like, it wasn't a door. It was more of a passage. And then I, I had a choice like mm-hmm. I to go forward or to be with you. And I love that imagery um, you know, cause I feel like that's something that is reasonable mm-hmm. when you think about it. And as a husband who is, you know, stupidly in love with my wife, I feel like that's something that would happen to me where I would be like, okay, I'd be faced with a choice. And if it's my choice to go do, you know, to wherever I'm going uh, or be with my wife, I'm always going to choose my wife, no matter what. That is how it works. And I I really bought that. I really, really bought that. It is the next day that he's supposed to go have his leg cut off, by the way. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we yeah. were getting our little timetables because of our conversation, but I agree. Yeah, no, whatever. Stats are phenomenal. And he changes his mind. Yeah, that's it. He just changes his Here mind. Here we go. And he says, you know, you gave me your word. I give it back. You you can you can take my leg if if necessary and then of course you know Bree saved the day and so on and so forth and they and Felicity's born and Roger says I'm glad you're still alive Jamie but I still want to help you go get bonnet. <sighs> this is a heavy episode, man. Yeah. Um. Before we get into the rest of the heaviness, though, we are at an hour nine. No, I, that's it. Yeah. The end. That what? was my bow. That was like he lives. Roger still wants to go get bonnet. Yeah. And baby Felicity's born and all is well. And Fergus was a champ doula. Yeah. <laughs> while he, oh my God, while they're there looking for mushrooms, and Fergus literally has his hands full with toddlers. And there's Marcelie. Fergus, Fergus, need your help. And Fergus is like, okay. And all I was thinking was, where do you put toddlers? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you just go like, stay huh. there. Stay there. Please don't eat any of these mushrooms because you don't know which ones are poisonous, which ones aren't. Just chill. Put down the maggots. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, toddlers in the woods, while your wife is giving birth? Um, I, you know, we actually had to pause the episode at that point where Marmosley is like, "Oh," because I knew that when we had our when when we had our son, our first child, it was time to go to the hospital. When Mary was propping herself up 
I, I looked just like that. It was, yes. She looked like yeah. exactly like Masoli. And the sound that came out of Masoli was I affectionately call a moo. Yeah. And when I, I knew that when when Mary was mooing, that it was she was like, oh, she's Blake, it's time to go. Uh, and when Marsley did that, I was like, wow, that is a great depiction of how. Um, she watched some good YouTube videos, some oh, good home birth YouTube videos for that sound. Uh, it was just like, and then <laughs> Fergus, I love Fergus's face where he's like playing. He's like, what? What? Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. What I'm I here. loved is is our daughter Felicity was born quite quickly as well, and right. I was making those sounds right away, and I was like, "No, she's coming now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I didn't even get admitted to the hospital. I didn't even get like a bracelet. Oh yeah, uh, just because I was like. <laughs> yeah, no, we, so we like she almost that. gave birth in my car. I, yeah. I had, I was gunning. I broke every law there is written in the books <laughs> uh, for driving, uh, getting married to the hospital there. So yeah, yeah, that was crazy. They asked me, they were like, is there anything we need to know before you give birth? And I said, I'm allergic to scallops. <laughs> That's all I could think of. Yep. The, the lady, she the, the check-in lady, uh, they're like, they're wheeling Mary in. She's screaming and the lady's like, uh, we have you have to sign in. You have to answer these questions. I stopped. I looked at the lady. I said, "Lady, you have three questions. Make them good." Yeah. And Mary's already off. <laughs> yeah. She said, "Excuse me, you can't go in here." I went, "No." <laughs> yeah. We had a cop pull me around in yeah. a wheelchair. It was like it was like the births that you see in the movies that really don't happen. Like birth is generally a very long process. Mm-hmm. Not not Felicity. Yep. Screen or real life. That's for sure. <laughs> So there's a lot to unpack about this episode, but I feel like we did a dang good job and I can't wait to hear um, our listener feedback. I am so excited. I was just glancing at a lot of the remarks and so many people loved this part of the book. I was telling some of you, this is why you are my clan. I'm feeling so good right now to delve into. And even if you didn't like this episode, we want to hear it. We want to hear what what stuck out to you. Um, Of course, our listener feedback episode is coming this week. So make sure that you send your emails, you do your voicemails. Oh, wait, we got Um, Outlandish Theory of the Week. Oh, I know. I just wanted to remind everyone. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Sorry. Fair enough. I I, I apologize. It's all good. Okay. All right. Give me your outlandish theory, Blake. All right. So we talked a lot about the relationship dramas in in Outlander, and especially how uh, this episode uh, really specifically, really, um, you know, discovered a lot of things about a lot of people and how they relate to each other. And in particular, especially as it relates to Roger and Bree, we chatted and they chatted about their purpose. What is their purpose here? What yeah. are we doing? What, what's like, what's our point? And I can't help but think that Roger really doesn't have a point. Like his point right now, at least going forward, is um, I want to kill Stephen Bonnet. My gut tells me he's going to try to kill Stephen Bond. He's going to go with Jamie uh, or what or whoever and try to kill and they're going to fail miserably. And Roger's going to get his 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 A beat. He's going to get smoked uh somehow some way. And I keep going back to Roger knowing the passage uh, in the Bible and like offhand and being brought up by a reverend. And then like, also not only that, but like when, when in, uh, in Pro- the episode Providence, when he goes to save the, the pastor or whatever, the, the priest, the priest, whatever he was, um, there's this real, 
they haven't really dived dived into it or dove into it yet. But there's this real sense that Roger has a real sense of faith, and uh, he even jokes with Jamie about not um, not not reciting the prayer in Latin and the whole thing. I can't help but think once he gets his gets his ass handed to him by Stephen Bonnet, like. I think his purpose is to go become like a, like a not not a priest because he's he's married, but like a pastor of some sort or or a reverend, like taking after his adoptive father. Uh, so maybe he can't be his real dad, uh, but he can be his adoptive father and help spread goodness and use his words. We talked last episode about his words being his weapon, his mind being his weapon. Use that. Use it. Like go spread the word, go spread goodness, go spread the relationships and teach people the way that I know that you can teach. And be, and like he had that great lecture at the beginning of the last episode. You can do that as a pastor. Like that feels right to me. Hmm. So I I can't help but think that's where Roger is heading, um, especially in light of what he's planning on doing with Rod or with Stephen Bond. Maybe. Here's another thing. Ooh, bring it, Blake. Here's really, Blake's bringing all the theories tonight. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, they get to the point where they can where they can take out Stephen Bonnet. And we already had Roger being like, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could get somebody in front of me, you know, flesh and blood, and that's and then we put an end to his life. I don't think I could do it. And I wonder if they do get to that point with Stephen Bonnet, and at the moment when Roger is supposed to do the thing that ends Stephen Bonnet, yeah. he can't. Mm-hmm. And then Bonnet recognizes that and and hurts Roger. Like I can't I can't help but think that's what that's the road that we're going down. Very interesting. So I'll take that. It sounds like a positive interesting. <laughs> Boom. Mock me. Please hang up and try again. Right. Oh Blake. Marvin, final thought what? Final thoughts. Just an oh, Blake. <laughs> that's what. That's what. That's she what said. that. Oh, hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Final thoughts. I love this episode so much. Love it. Love it. Love it. Can I just say? Sure. I needed subtitles <laughs> when they were in the forest. Yes. All those Scots talking. I just did not understand. They were whispering, and I'm like, I know what's going on. Oh, sorry, Luma. Uh, I know just what's throw going. my cat around. I, no, it's I, fine. No, it's fine. It's just, she's gotta, she she's just gotta, desperately wants to be on. She has a concussion now. It's totally fine. She's totally fine. Um, I needed to put on the subtitles, and I'm glad I did a second time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. because They're the, a little too whispery. It was, their accents are a little thick, yeah. and I just I needed it. I generally... When the, when it's a heavy accent a- episode, I do need to have subtitles on for at least one of them, and I recommend putting subtitles on for a rewatch anyway because yeah. you do miss these little things that are kind of whispered to each other. Um, but yeah, this episode needed some subtitles. Yeah, uh, for me, my final thought so far is um, <sighs> the path that we've taken in this season so far. Uh, it's been a little twisty and sometimes you look at it you're like oh what are we doing and in in particular you know the brownsville episode and the beardsley episode i still don't understand like i know everyone's saying oh it's gonna come through it's gonna come through and i I still haven't seen it i still don't know what we're doing with it and we're we're on episode 10 we only got two more left here so but the journey that we've taken with these characters and how they three left 
Yo, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, that's three, yeah. honey. Yeah, what, what else? Um, <laughs> stats of a nerds. That's why we don't do live math. Um, <laughs> um, the journey that we've taken is really special so far. Uh, again, as it relates to Roger and Jamie, um, it, I actually care. Like, mm-hmm. I actually really care about what happens to Roger at this point because it the, the show has finally given me a reason to. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think we're on the right path. And I, I, now I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. We got, we got three more episodes left. Thank you, Mary. You're um, welcome. And I can't help but wonder, like, what, what's going to happen now? Like, we got three episodes. You're going to be leading up to Bonnet and you got things happening here. Man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm in on it. All right. So are you ready to close out this bad boy? <laughs> I am. Let's do it. <laughs> to hear more Outlander chat or want to participate, we of course do have our listener feedback episode coming up later this week. And also, we uh, are going to be having the After Dark show uh, after this episode. For those of you who are watching right now live, uh, thank you for watching us. Um, as always, this this podcast is meant for the podcast listener. So for those of you who are listening in your car, you're, you know, you're working out at your home or uh, you're, you're cooking dinner or whatever, thank you for uh, for listening to us. Uh, but for those of you who are watching live, uh, you we will be doing the After Doc show in about 10 minutes after this is done. You can join us at OutlanderCastClan.com. It's a very special episode. Uh, it's a very special show that Mary and I do. It's a... Uh, you know, fun. We we eat snacks. We we talk about cat butt and anything that's on oh our my mind. Gosh, I can't lose mouse. And uh, it's just a, a laid back version of Outlander Cast, talking about whatever you guys want to chat about in our personal lives and just behind the scenes kind of things that I think a lot of people really like. Uh, and it's become one of the highlights I think uh, uh, this season for me uh, when we're doing Outlander Cast. So OutlanderCastClan.com, join there and get extra episodes of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake that you don't normally get in your normal feed. We want to thank all of our patrons at OutlanderCastClan.com, but especially our most generous patrons, our associate producers, Angie, Candy, Carolyn, Celine, Christine, Dawn, Diane, Jeffrey, Jennifer, Karen, Marilyn, Maureen, Patricia, Siobhan, Stephanie, Valerie, as well as our co-producers, Amanda, Ann Lee, Barbara, Dana, Janet, Keelan, Lori Ellen, Marianne, Meredith, Raynal, Sharon, Tina, and Whitney. And last but not least, our executive producers, and Bobby D, Jen, Katie, Kirsty, Martha, Nadra, Peg, and Sarah. <laughs> we have a listener here. <laughs> so, someone saying episode episode numbers are not stats, Blake. It's basic math. <laughs> it's okay. Stats are for nerds. It's fine. I don't mind. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness uh, yeah, thank you for everybody for uh, for listening, obviously, and joining us live. Uh, of course, your comments uh, always mean a lot to us. All your emails do check in with us throughout the rest of this uh, throughout, throughout the rest of this week. We will be having listener feedback episode, as Mary said. We'll be co- recording it live on Thursday. If you want to email us, please email us. You can send us some voicemails. Just go to the uh, engage button on OutlanderCastClan uh, OutlanderCast.com, and uh, you'll see it when you hit that engage button. Another drop down will ha- uh, happen that says voicemail click that and then you'll be able to use the speak pipe app to leave a voicemail uh, or of course all your facebook and twitter comments will be in- involved too man i love myself the listener feedback episodes they're the best 
They are so fun. We, we call those the White Claw episodes. Oh my goodness <laughs> So much great White Claw happening. <laughs> and uh, thank you, everybody, for your uh, reviews on any of the uh, podcatchers of your choice, and including on Facebook, too. If you go to the Mary and Blake Facebook page, you can leave a review for Mary and I right there. Uh, and a lot of people have done so. I didn't even know it was a thing until somebody did it, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really Aww. nice. So, uh, yeah, do me a favor. If you're on Facebook, go to the Mary and Blake uh, Facebook page and leave us a review there because, you know, it brightens my day. I like reading it. And thank you just for those of you who are tuning in live. We truly appreciate uh, that you've been able to do this. And if you are not able to join us live while you're listening to this now as a replay in your podcast, know that this is what we do. We go live Monday and Thursday nights, especially while we're hanging out in our houses a lot. So make it an event. Put it in your calendar. Get your PJs on. Get a drink. Um, and join us either on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. We're generally doing it around 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Monday and Thursday nights. Depending if our kids sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know. <laughs> the little rats. The, the Go planets, to bed. The planets need to perfectly align. So on that note, my friends, we are going to sign on off. And for now, my name is Mary. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>